Okay, before I start, you will, you will, most of you, Vicky mentioned this morning, will have, um, you will have seen the, 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 the sermon from the royal wedding yesterday. Did anybody see that? Did most of us see that? And it was, uh, well, it was, it was a fantastic sermon, wasn't it? Um, and there was close to probably two billion souls uh, that would have received that word yesterday. Two billion people watching that yesterday. And um, one of the things that struck me about the guy who was speaking, Michael Curry is his name, from the American Episcopal Church, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> um, what, what, one of the things that struck me about him, and I always look for in people, is the love of God. I look for the fire of God in a person. Because you see, we're all supposed to, as Michael uh, said yesterday, we're supposed to have the fire of God in us. And if you thought that that was unusual yesterday, that sermon, well, you need to think again. Because there's many more people in this church who have the passion and the fire of God. It's not just belonging to American preachers, as good as he was. There's lots of people in Warrington who've got the fire of God, who've got the passion to see the church grow, to see lives saved and souls brought into the kingdom. And actually, for every single one of us in here, the idea is, is that you're created to have passion for God, for his church, and for his people. You're created to have the fire of God, the love of God in you, so that you can be just like Michael Curry, but in your way that you were created. Because you were planned and you were created and you were formed to have passion just like Michael Curry. It comes out in different ways. We understand that. You might say to me, but Tony, I'm, I'm not the same as that guy. I'm not the same as Barry or Vicky. I'm not even the same as you. I've got a bit of a, a quieter demeanor. My character's completely different, etc., etc. Yes, you'd be right. But the one thing, the one thing that you cannot deny, you may deny, but you cannot deny, is the fire of God living in you if you are a born-again Christian. Because it's the same God and the same King that we all serve and adore and rejoice in. And so I just want to start off, it's nothing to do with preaching, by the way. I just want to start off tonight by encouraging you that don't allow yourselves to be limited by what God can do in and through you. He can do anything in and through you. He can do, I said to Vicky, we were laughing before, this morning when Vicky was preaching, as she laid a staff down on the floor, I immediately said, turn into a snake. I said, turn into a snake. Now, it didn't turn into a snake. But my little bit of faith said, it could have done. My little bit of, because Vicky said that Moses would have gone back and, and I was thinking, it'd be good to see Vicky going like that if a snake came up on the stage, wouldn't it? And, um, uh, but, you know, if you've got a little faith, you can move mountains. If you've got a little faith, you can say to that mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea. And we've got to start being a passionate church. We've got to start being a church that is, that is on fire for God. A church that is, is wanting to reach out. A I went to a chippy last night near me, a Chinese chippy. And before I say, I say that, I, say, I need to say this. 
In this past week or two, we were singing before, I'll stand with arms high and hearts abandoned, or souls abandoned, in awe of the God. And, and this couple, past couple of weeks, I've been in a place of uh, abandonment to God again. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some of that in, in the word that I'm, uh, I'm going to share. But I went to the chippy last night, and we've been going to the same chippy on Longshore Street for quite a few years now, Chinese restaurant, beautiful food, re- highly recommend it. And when I went in, she said, Tony, she said, and I wasn't expecting this at all. She said, Tony, she said, why are you so laid back? Why are you so chirpy? And I said, well, you know, I said, I've got faith. She said, she said to me, she said, do you believe in heaven? I said, yeah, of course I believe in heaven. Do you believe in hell? I said, yes, I believe in hell. She said, so if I'm a good person, do I get to go to heaven? I said, no. I said, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you get to go to heaven. And what I'm trying to get at, I've done this the wrong way around, and maybe should have said this right at the end. But actually, when you're living and walking and breathing under the, uh, under the Holy Ghost, working in you, opportunities come along you don't even have to go looking for them. Opportunities come along because people, there's a world out there, folks, that are aching for the love of God. There's a world out there that needs Jesus. And actually, I never once thought in all the years I've been going to this chippy that this woman would ever ask me about Jesus in church. But she got to the point in her life, and I think she might be in her mid-50s, like every single human being does. Why am I here? What am I doing? Where am I going? And you could be that person that answers that question tomorrow. Are you ready to do that? Am I ready to do that? So... I'm going to give you a clue about who we've been doing this series, haven't we, about uh, what makes them so special. What makes them so special? Well, if I was to say to you what makes you so special is you. It's a simple answer. It's you. It's not anybody else who's sat next door to you. It's you. Because God created you, as we heard this this morning, wonderfully and fearfully. He made you individually to be you and to be who you are, not somebody else, you. And this person that I, I'm going to talk about this evening, I'm going to give you a bit of a, a bit of a clue who it is. I'm pleased, um, this is just a, a I'm playing out a, a kind of role here, so this isn't a prophecy about anybody in particular, but I want you to think, I want you to think about our friend and Pastor Barry, okay? And our friend and Pastor Barry is on his deathbed. Oh, that was you. That was you. (laughs) Our friend uh, is on his deathbed. It's the end of his days. He's drawing near to taking his last breath. And uh, before he he passes on into the loving arms of Jesus and enters into, into glory, he decides he wants, for the last time, he wants something to eat. He wants his favorite food. And so he calls his son, Josh. And Josh is really well. So he calls his son, Josh. And he says, Josh, my son, come in. And he's lying on his bed. And he can't see anything because his eyes have gone. And he says to Josh, Josh, he said, I'm about to go the way of all the world. My, I'm about to go the way of everybody that's ever lived. But before I do, I want some of that lovely food that you make. Because Josh is a chef. And he's a great chef. And he's great at making food. 
So I want you to go away and make some food for me, Josh, and bring it back and give it to me. So Josh, he's, he's off. He's gone into the kitchen down there in Widnes, and he's started to make his dad some great food. And in the meantime, we have an, uh, his mum, who's very nosy, called Vicky, and she's listening into this conversation, you see, that's going on between Josh and Barry. And so she says, because Barry's favourite is Josh, and Vicky's favourite is Adam. And I hate that. It's one part of the story that I cannot stand. Uh, and this brings about some, some weaknesses in this story, which I'll turn to strengths later on that we'll go into. But Vicky goes and gets Adam. Adam, quick, 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 come here. She says, get down to the Chinese. Get your dad his favorite Chinese. Bring it in quick before that idiot son of yours, Josh, finishes making the food. We'll get in there quick. And, but, Mum, how, how can I do that? If I go in serving food quickly, he said, you'll know it's me. No, 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 don't worry about that. I'll get some of his clothes. I'll get some of Josh's clothes, and, and, and I'll get some of his perfume, some of his aftershave, and some of his deodorant, and I'll put it on him, and, and, and you'll go in first, and you will receive the blessing because you brought him the food first. So off he goes, Adam, and he goes down to the Chinese in Witness, and he gets Barry's favorite Chinese food. And he comes in, he rushes back home, and Josh is still in the kitchen there making the lunches and the stew and whatever else. And Adam comes in, and he said, oh, he said, Father, Father, he said, I brought you my food. And he said, oh, smells this lovely Chinese food. Oh, my son, this is wonderful. It is absolutely fantastic. And he eats away at the food, doesn't he? Yes, you smell, you smell like Josh. I can, oh, yes, your clothes, your clothes smell like, uh, like, uh, like Josh. And he says, come here, my son, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you the richest blessings. You are going to be, your descendants are going to be like numerous as the sand on the seashore. And that, uh, and that you're going to be totally and utterly blessed for the rest of your days. And then, of course, Joshy comes running in. And Joshy says, Father, 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 I'm in, I'm in, I've made your food. And he says, what? What? But, but somebody else has just come in pretending to be you. And he said, he said, I've already given the blessing. And he said, but Father, surely you must have saved the blessing for me. He was deceitful little rat. But Mother, flipping out what's going on with my man. My man's been really deceitful. He's gone right behind me back. And he said, I'm sorry, son, I'm sorry about it. But what God has already ordained will come to pass. I can't change it now. And he gave him a blessing, which was a curse, pretty much so. Did you get it all? Josh, was it that bad? Was it that bad? It's Jacob, of course. That's right. It's Jacob. So Jacob, and to be honest with you, when you look at Jacob and you look at his life, like many of the characters that we've already looked at in this series, he had many, many weaknesses. And he also had many strengths, but he had many weaknesses. And some of the weaknesses, I don't know if you can recognize, I certainly can recognize some of Jacob's weaknesses. And Jacob lived a life where he was always, always doing things in his own strength. And here's the guy that at birth 
it was said of him that the young, the older will serve the younger. It was said of him that he would be a blessing to many. And yet he lived his life doing things his own way, living life in his own strength. I want to give you a little bit of insight about who his family was, but I'm not really interested too much in that. I want to specifically look at a portion of scripture in Genesis, but I just want to give you a bit of background here. If you'd have entitled my sermon, even though it's called, um, uh, uh, blowing my mind now, why are they, what makes them so special? The bottom line is at the end of this, at the very, very end of this, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. What do you mean, Kevin? Nothing else matters. Well, I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll, I'll let you see it after. But you know, nothing else matters to the Lord. So he lived in Canaan. He was a shepherd, as many were in them days. His father was Isaac. His mother was Rebecca. Of course, his brother was Esau. His father-in-law was Laban. That's how you call it, Laban or Laban. Not quite sure how you pronounce it. And we all know that the story as he goes along, or the account as it, as it goes along, that he ends up fleeing because he's told that his brother is going to kill him. And Rebecca, his, 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 his mother says, you better get off to your uncle Laban because if you don't, he's after you, your brother, because you've deceived him a couple of times now and you're screaming. So he goes off to Laban and, and there he lives there for quite a number of years and he works I think seven years for his two wives, Rachel and Leah, and then he marries others as well. And he's, he's basically, what he's doing for most of his life, he's running away. He's running away. Of course, he's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. He was a determined kind of guy. I'll give him that. He was a pretty determined guy, and he worked extremely hard. Now, I didn't, and that's key, by the way, that is key. I didn't have to work seven years for my wife. I've worked for 25 years since I've had my wife. But I didn't work for seven years to get my wife. And he worked for another seven years to get his second wife. He was a hard worker and he was a grafter. I'll give him that. And if you think that being in the kingdom of God is easy and restful, think again. The scripture tells us that hard work is required. He was also, I was hesitant to say this actually, but it's true of him. He was also a very good businessman. He was an excellent businessman. He was cunning, he was crafty, but he was a good businessman. He knew what he wanted and he knew how to get it, even if he did it in his own strength. Jacob reminds me a little bit of what's been going on in my life in the last six months. And I don't know if you can recognize any of this. For the last six months, I've had a number of people who have said to me, are you okay, Tony? Everything's okay? You all right? Work going okay? Church going okay? Charity going on, everything okay? Because you don't seem to care. Something's different. The joy seems different. 
you start teaching that your pastor is your God. And these people weren't being nasty. They were just concerned. And my wife even said that she's concerned for them. She's concerned for the health. And basically, to put it in context, what had happened is, in the last couple of years, I'd been heavily involved in lots of things. So I'd be involved very heavily in some church stuff, very heavily in work. Adam will be able to uh, to vouch for that because I work with Adam. I'm very involved, heavily involved in a Christian charity. And basically what it would do over the course of time is it would take pretty much all my waking hours. And what happened is that I started to get concerned and I started to get worried and I started to get stressed because I was being a busy fool. And it's, you know, it's good to have a servant heart. It's good to want to serve God. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be serving. Of course, we should be serving God in the talents and the giftings that each one of you have got. But I came to a place whereby the amount of responsibility, the amount of things that were going on in my head were getting too much. I couldn't contain them in my mind. And I carried on for probably six months at a point of saturation. I, I carried on because I wanted to serve God. And I, I, I didn't want to let people down. But in my own strength, I carried on. And I started to, I started to feel, I started to feel that my life was ebbing away. I started to feel I had no life. I started to feel that my priorities were all wrong. Have you ever been there with your priorities? All wrong, misguided, in the wrong place. And I came to a point a couple of weeks ago where I was at home. And actually the thing that triggered it was this. Batman a couple of weeks ago, and you were here on a Sunday evening. She was giving prophecies out like confetti, left, right, and center. And she said to me, she said, Tony, she said, that you're concerned. You're concerned about the church, not just this church, but the worldwide church, which I am very prayerful over. I'm very prayerful over this church. And you're concerned about your family. But she said this one thing. She said, and it stuck with me, it's covered. It's covered. And so in these last couple of weeks, I've been thinking on this word, it's covered. How can it be covered? How can it be covered? My mind is all over the shop. I'm not in the right place. I was supposed to be speaking a few weeks ago, and I gave it up. There was too much going on. I, couldn't, I, didn't have the, I didn't have the wherewithal to be able to bring a word which would bless his people because my mind was just overloaded. And I came to the same place, pretty much the same place as what Jacob came to, as we're going to read in a minute. Came ex- pretty much exactly 
to the same place you couldn't really read in Genesis. We all know this account in Genesis. Genesis chapter 32, 22 to 32, please. Guys at the back. Genesis 32, you have your Bibles with you. Genesis 32, 22 to 32. This is just after Jacob had prepared to meet Esau. This is another example. When you read the whole account, another example of Jacob's deceit, Jacob's foolishness, whereby he thinks he can buy his brother by giving him a load of gifts. And he thinks that Jacob's going to come, Esau's going to come and possibly cause a bit of a problem. And so there we read then in, in, Jake, in, in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and had overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limp, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Consequences of Jacob's sin were starting to play big in his life. The consequences of his deceitfulness, his wickedness, his foolishness were starting to play big in his life. And there appears a man. And it tells us in Scripture that Jacob fought with this man pretty much all night. He fought with this man. Now, let's get this into context. This man, though Jacob doesn't realize it, is an angel of death. And yet Jacob is battling away. He will not give in. It's his own strength. And he continues to fight. And he continues to fight with this guy that turns up. You see, Jacob was one that was always resisting. He was the one that was always running away. He was always fighting. And we mentioned this in life group the other day. 
for what was his. Church, if you are a Christian in this place, nothing belongs to you. You have no right over anything. Because it all belongs to God. Are you listening to this? The amount of times in my family when I, I've seen disputes and disharmony because somebody has said, that's mine, that's my right, that belongs to me. Rubbish. Who created you? Who gave you in the first place? think you've got rights, I encourage you, thank you to contemplate that. Because if you're right, continue. You may win the battle, but you'll still lose the war. As Christians, we have to have humbleness of heart. And I mean humbleness of heart. Jacob can do that. Jacob was a greedy man. Jacob got, got rich. Some of that was through his own foolishness. And hey, he did business practice. Or what we would call good business practice in this day and age. But it was the heart behind it that was the problem. And so Jacob came to this point. point when eventually he realized that this person that he was fighting actually was an old man. He was in the presence of and even in the presence of God you continue to fight. Until he got to that point where Jacob, and I got to that point, this is where the two correlate together, a few weeks ago, I got to that point where I, I realised, and Jacob got to that point where he realised that throughout his life, the problem wasn't with anything else, his circumstances, his family, his job, problem was with him. He was the problem. He came to that point when he realized he was the problem. Now church, it's difficult, isn't it, sometimes to recognize that we are the problem. It's easy to blame other people. It's easy to blame our circumstances and situations. But I came to the point myself a few weeks ago where I recognized, my God, my God, he directed me to go do more than, than what I could handle. It wasn't God. But of course, my wife could be sat down four or five nights a week without her husband being left to watch her. It wasn't God. 
I can't even blame the enemy. I can't blame the enemy. It was me. And over this six months, my wife says to herself, what am I doing with this idiot? There's no time for me. He's more interested in everybody else. He's more interested in his charity work. He's more interested in staying late at work. He's more interested in that. He's more interested in that. And this, what about me? Now, look, I get that you're just talking to the administrator. But when you're spending five or six nights of your week doing something for somebody else, and your wife starts to feel neglected, and your wife starts to think, he's not helping anyone. When do you get to that point, a little bit like Jacob, a little bit like me, where actually I realize this is not a good thing? That's when you begin to know. When you know, there's joy. I had the joy of being counseling somebody who was going through some tough stuff. And when you're counseling people, it's very difficult because you understand where they're at. You understand the predicaments that they're in. But you also have to be responsible to see to it. Because if you can wash things up whichever way you like, but unless you speak truth into a situation, it's just too hard to see clearly. And I had to, this morning, to enjoy being with somebody and speaking hopefully some good stuff into them. It probably wasn't what they wanted to hear. But I know it was the truth. And I came to that point where I needed to hear truth again. Jacob came to the point where he needed to hear truth again. He had nowhere else to turn. He'd done everything his way. Everything. He'd done it his way. Yes, every now and then he, he may have given thanks to God for all the sheep and the lambs and etc. etc. that he owned and, and his lovely wives that he had. But it was all it was all a show. Because really he thought that it was him who had got all this stuff together. And he didn't give glory to God. He gave glory to himself. And he came to this point and he had to surrender everything. You see, Jesus wants you to surrender everything. It's not just a part. We used to sing that song, didn't we? What was that other one you go? We used to sing the song. Um, I want to worship the Lord with all of my heart. Not just giving my all, not just a part. That's it. And I realized a few weeks ago that I had to release. I had to release all the stress, all the strain, all the worry, all the negativity, all the me. That's for God. A bit like Jacob, I had nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. And I had to give it back to God. And I had to say, God, your cross enables me to give my burdens back to you. 
your resurrection enables me to start to live my life again with the power and the passion of the Holy Ghost moving in through me. Your love is sufficient for my insufficiencies. Your grace is sufficient for me. Now Jacob was the same. One minute, for years and years, it was Jacob, I'll do it my way. Till he got to that point where he said to himself, I've now been my way. I can allow grace to be. I can allow grace to be the way things are. Not my own strength. Not my own doing. And I don't know if anybody in here can recognize, you may not be in the same place as I've been in. You may be, you might have it all together at the moment in your life. You might have this joy which is unspeakable, which God has done something radical in you, and that's absolutely fantastic. But I believe that there are people in here this evening who, like me and are like Jacob, trying to do it in their own strength and like every other single human being in this world they've come to the conclusion it ain't working it fails not only does it fail it fails miserably and I believe that God as he's done with me in these last couple of weeks has started to because I've been able to by his grace to come to a place of full submission to him full submission to him. He started to work in me again. He started to open doors and opportunities again. I know his presence every single day again. I I know his, his love every single day again. I see the opportunities every single day again. The colours are starting to look different again. There's a shine and a joy back in my heart again. And that's because For me, I've come to this, this point, a little bit like Jacob, eventually got to that point where he said to me, nothing else matters to me but Jesus. Doesn't mean to say I don't care about anything else. Doesn't mean to say that I don't pray about anything else. But my focus is Jesus and him crucified. I will continue to learn lessons because life's all about learning lessons. Life's all about learning from your mistakes and moving on. I'm not condemned. I was convicted, but I certainly won't be condemned. And just like Jacob, we all, I believe, have points in our lives where we're allowing ourselves to steer the ship and I want to say to you this night if you're steering your own ship don't let it crash do something about it before it crashes 
because I know from my own experience that when you lose your joy and you lose your, your passion, church, don't be down. Come on, lift yourselves up. And you might be in that position tonight where you know you've got to give everything to God. Not just a bit, not just a part, but everything. You might be in a position where life has got you. You don't know whether you're coming or going. Your mind is so full of things that are going on in your world that you haven't even got a little bit of Headspace for Jesus anymore. Yes, I remember to come to church on a Sunday. Yeah, I might go to the live stream on a Wednesday. But actually, he's a bit further down the list at the moment, Jesus, because I'm so busy doing this, this, and this. for him.